raise our hands and worship the Lord together. Lord, I thank you for your presence. Hallelujah, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. Hallelujah, for your love and kindness, oh Lord. Oh, God, for your precious word and spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, that knows how to stir our heart, Lord. Thank you, 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 Lord. You may be seated. Thank you, Brother Keys, for those kind words. It is a pleasure to be able to be together this morning in the house of God with such a group of men. Hallelujah. I tell you what, it moved me just watching the men worship God today. When we think of worship, a lot of times ladies are far more demonstrative than men. But real men feel things deeper in their spirit. And I was thinking while we were worshiping together what it must have been like when Solomon dedicated the temple and there were all those men singing together and playing together. The Bible said as to make one sound. My God, what could happen today? Hallelujah. What could happen today in this meeting? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Um, would you please open your Bibles today to the book of Gen Exodus, third chapter. And I would like to read one verse. Third verse. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. You can be seated. I'd like to say I do appreciate the invitation and the opportunity to minister the word of the Lord today. <clears throat> it's a precious thing to be able to be in this fellowship with such great men that have vision that can help us do the work of the Lord better. The other day, I was in, this, uh, in my church. I was in the storeroom. I don't know what I was doing. I was looking for something. And um, uh, as I began to start to go out of that door and lock it up, I don't know why it happened to me, but while I was just before I stepped over the threshold to go out, it dawned on me that I am now middle age. I never thought I'd get here. But uh, I'm not complaining. I'm happy right where I am. I know God better today than I did when I was a teenager. And God means more to me now than he did then. Amen. Hallelujah. And perhaps something that had something to do with that, just about, um, um, well, a little over a year ago, I became a grandfather. 
And uh, my wife was just telling me the other day that uh, she said, uh, you know, Nancy was this age when we went evangelizing. And I could hardly imagine that. And so, <clears throat> uh, I am one happy grandfather. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And yet, I said that not just to brag about being a grandfather because I'm happy about that. But when I held that little baby in my arms right after she was born, I could not help but say, God, here is a brand new generation of people. And I entered into a covenant with the Lord at that time that I would do my dead level best to see to it that there was implanted in that heart a love for truth. Amen. Amen. I'm real serious about that. Real serious about that. And so today I want to take from my thought from the third chapter of the book of Exodus where it says Moses said I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why? The bush is not burnt. I want to share with you <clears throat> uh, a burden in my heart. And here's what I want to preach about today. Needed men with a revelation. We need men today with a revelation. The theme of this conference is building mighty men for the kingdom. And the thing that is going to further the kingdom of God more than talent more than ability more than anything is a revelation of God and what he means to us in this text today we're introduced to Moses and there's no doubt about it that from his birth he was a chosen vessel unto the Lord uh, for God's plan and God's purpose it was God's intent he was strategically placed to be the man that God would use though several years in the future to bring about a great deliverance and exodus of God's people to bring them into the place that God had been preparing for them for 400 years and I believe that well, I don't believe it I, not only do I believe it the word of the God, Lord says it and that's the most important thing uh, I want to believe and agree with the word of the Lord he was born to parents uh, that had courage and faith in God that even in difficult times that they could teach and prepare uh, their children to be used of God and I think we face such a time as this right now in the day that we live in we're a great time in history I wouldn't want to live at any other time uh, I would not want to go back into another time period. Somebody said, I'd like to live in the days of the apostles. We face things that the apostles never even dreamed of. In the Bible, Apostle Paul only knew three groups of people. Jews, Gentiles, and the church. They had no problems with denominational ideas. They were either a Jew or they were a Gentile, considered to be heathen and pagan and away from God. There was no other way. And so 
the New Testament church drew a lot of heritage from Judaism, but there were many things that had to be left behind. But we face a day and time when there's ever kind of belief imaginable in the world. There's many winds that blow here and there. There's all kinds of wickedness that is multiplied. Sin is abounding, but grace is much more abounding. And if there ever was a time when we as men need to turn aside and take some time to make sure that we are men of revelation that know God and know His Word and know His plan and know His purpose and know our place in that plan and in that purpose, it's today. Hallelujah. The exciting days are right ahead for the church today. And so Moses lived. He could not help but grow up with the understanding he, he knew that. It did not catch him by surprise. He, he, his mother, uh, with courage, hid him. And you know the story. Put in the, in, the, in the river Nile in a little basket. And Pharaoh's daughter found him. His sister run and asked uh, his mother, uh, the daughter, uh, Pharaoh's daughter, if she would like a nurse to take care of the child. And of course, Moses' mother was chosen. And what a wonderful thing that was. That mother had a realization. I've only got so much time. I've got a short time to put into him everything that he's going to need to be what God raised him up to be. And soon he's gone from home and soon he's in the palace and soon he is surrounded by all kinds of things. But ticking down in the heart of that young man, the Bible doesn't say anything about his life. It just says his parents saw, according to the New Testament, book of Hebrews, they saw that he was a proper child. And, uh, I looked that up, it meant a good-looking child. Uh, Saudi was good-looking. They taught him. How long, we don't know. He soon turned over to Pharaoh's house. And the last we hear from, uh, that's the last we hear about him until the day that he comes out and begins to see the affliction of his people. I wish I knew what went on in there during those years but I don't and there's no need to speculate I'd just be off and left field if I did but they taught him the purpose of God there was an awareness in his heart that he was to be used of God and I, just today I believe every one of us as men and we'll get with the program in just a minute but I believe that the reason you're here today is that there is an awareness down in your heart that God saved me for a purpose. He filled me with the Holy Ghost. He, he put me in the church under my pastor that he did for a purpose. And there's more to this. It's not just to shout and come to church as good as that is. He has, there is a purpose in each one of us. We are called according to his purpose. He has predestinated us to be conformed to the image of his dear son. He called us with a high and a holy calling. He placed us in the place that we are, not to just fill up space and occupy time, but he brought us here to do a work for him in this end time. And we need to be about it. We need to be getting in touch with him and to get a closer and a deeper grip on him that we can do the will of God better. 
And so here he comes. He steps out one day. And with this understanding that there is a purpose in his life. I want to pick up the last two phases of Moses' life today. The first one he spent in Pharaoh's house. And not much is known about that. But the last two phases of Moses' life. The second phase is he walks out one day on the scene. And he looks around him. And he looks upon the burdens of his brethren. His mother taught him, you are going to live in Pharaoh's palace and you're going to be trained like an Egyptian, but you are not an Egyptian. Circumstances dictate and the will of God is in it. Just keep this in mind. You are going to be in Pharaoh's house. You're going to eat at his table. You're going to be taught all the things that he could teach you. But just keep this in the forefront of your thinking. You are not an Egyptian. We have got to understand today that we are in this world. We have to live here. There's no other place to live at this time. But we need to keep it in our mind that while we go up and down the streets and the, and the jobs and the cities and whatever we do and whoever we associate with and whoever we find ourselves uh, spending time with on the job or whatever street we live on, we have to keep it in the forefront of our thinking. Uh, I am a stranger and a pilgrim here. I am a temporary residence here. I am just passing through. I am here to do the will of God and to do everything I can for Him and draw as close to Him as I can. That's what we're here for. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Praise the Lord. And as he goes out, he sees the Egyptians beginning to afflict his brethren. Bear in mind now, he knows he has a purpose. He knows he has God's call upon his life. And yet he's not heard anything specific from God yet. There's no record that God talked to Moses at all until the third chapter. There's no record that God spoke to him in any way. The only thing that talked to him was his heritage. That he had received in a few brief years or months from his parents. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to share something with you today. It's a little thing I do with my granddaughter, Madison. Uh, I, I, like, I love Madison. Uh, I get the privilege. She's at my house almost every day. Hallelujah. And there's one thing that I do with Madison every chance I get. Brother Wilson, since she was just teeny weensy, I would hold her up before me and I'd get her attention and I say this to her, Madison, today we're going to talk about Ephesians 4, 5, and 6. And I quote it to her very slowly with great moves of one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all, and through all, and in you all. And then I concluded by saying, Madison, Jesus is God. Jesus is God. We have got to keep that in our minds today. Please be seated. Praise the Lord. And so Moses had a heritage that spoke to him, but no voice from God yet.
And he saw a need. He saw an Egyptian abusing uh, a Hebrew. And the Bible said he looked this way and that way. And then he went over and smote the Egyptian. And buried him in the sand. This is the phase of Moses' life that he goes only on a knowledge that he has a purpose but he does not have clear direction as how to, to carry it out uh, and how to do it but do not uh, does think evil of him he realizes he has a purpose uh, and he's trying to do something about it he's trying to live up to what he has been taught and what he feels in his soul his method is wrong but his desire is right and so the Egyptian is buried in the sand. Then the next day he goes out and he sees two of his brothers striving together. And he goes over to them and he has this awareness. I am in the purpose and plan of God. I got something to do for God. I'm here to bless these people. God's going to use me to bless them and to help them. And he goes over and says, hey, y'all ought not to be doing this. You, you, should not, uh, you should not be treating one another like that. And they say to him, who made you a judge over us? And who do you think you are? Are you going to kill us like you killed the Egyptian yesterday? And at that time, fear struck in Moses' heart. And the Bible says, the very next verse says, when it became known to Pharaoh, Pharaoh sought to kill him. And the Bible says that Moses feared. And the next thing he did was he fled. He's walking under a fleshly knowledge of who he is and what he's supposed to do. And the Bible lets us to know in the second chapter of Exodus further on that he goes out into uh, the land of Midian. Uh, the land of Midianites were uh, descendants of Abraham by his third or his second wife, Keturah. The Midianites. And while he's over there, uh, he is fleeing for his life perhaps a little bit confused about how come things are turning out like they are. Uh, and he sees another need. He sees some young ladies, uh, seven sisters. They come over to water their dad's flock of sheep. And while they're trying to get to the well to draw out the water to, to feed the water the sheep, the other herdsmen come along that are men and they shove them out of the way. And they start taking over the well and say, you can be after us. And Moses rises up and he goes over and he pushes the men aside and he draws the water. And he waters the sheep. Why? He knows he has a purpose. And of course... The daughters go home and their dad says, how come you're home so early? And they said, an Egyptian came and drove the other shepherds away. And not only did he drive them away, he watered our sheep also. And dad says, won't you bring him home? And they bring Moses home. And it goes on to say that Old Jethro gave Moses one of those young ladies to be his wife, Zipporah. But in the 21st verse of that chapter, it says, And Moses was content 
to dwell with the man. Think about that. Here he has a knowledge that he's supposed to be doing something for God. I'm supposed to be used of the Lord. I have a heritage that has been given to me. God has privileged me to not die in the river Nile, but to be saved uh, from the death there. Not to be a slave, but to have privilege to be raised in a king's palace. He has let me live and I'm supposed to be doing something but that which is born of the flesh is flesh hallelujah there's some, there's a knowledge that we can have that we're supposed to be doing something for the Lord we can look around us and we can hear it preached and taught and presented to us and there is something that moves in our spirit if you got any Holy Ghost at all there's something that responds to the Word of God when you hear a call that God wants us to go out and do something for him if you're alive and if you got the Holy Ghost you just cannot feel something turn it over in there and say I want to do something for God he saved me for a purpose he saved me for a reason but if you're not careful my friend if you walk under the power of your flesh you will make a couple of attempts at it you will stab at it you will go here you will try and nobody's going to criticize you for trying but as long as it's empowered by the flesh and with the human knowledge you'll end end up fearing, you'll end up fleeing, and you'll end up on the backside of the desert somewhere tending somebody else's sheep and being content. <laughs> Settling down into the good life. Going to church and singing and worshiping and going home and going to the job and getting up in the morning and mowing the lawn and fixing this and fixing that. I'll tell you what, my friend, we cannot afford to lose sight of the fact that God saved us with a high and a holy calling. And we need to be talking to God about a revelation of what am I supposed to be doing God now? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, God, I don't want to just be contented. I don't want to just be satisfied with what I have in God right now. Uh, God has been good to me, and I appreciate every bit of it. Uh, but oh, there's something burning down in my soul that says, God, I got to hear clearer from you. Hallelujah, please be seated. Hallelujah. And so he's going about his business, taking care of the daily routine. He is now fitted in. He is now blended in. He is now a part of the goings on of Midian. He gets up, he does the same thing every day. And he is contented about it. And so God looks down upon the man that he has uh, privileged and placed in a position to be used of him for a particular point in time. God knows noticed his efforts and God understood what was going on in his soul but God also noticed that he began to be content right where he is 
And so the Lord comes in. Those are the years that He walks with the fleshly understanding. I'm supposed to be doing something. Uh, God's got His hand on my life. Uh, and I appreciate what God's doing. But time went by and He settles in. And then one day, then one day while on the backside of the desert, uh, walking with the same old sheep He's been walking with. Uh, he's carrying the same old stick He's been carrying for 40 years. Doing the same old, same old routine. Uh, all settled in. He's got us. Uh, uh, he's got a son now and God's been good to me. And as he walks by one day, God said, I've got to talk to this man. He needs to hear my voice. Oh, friend, is there anything yearning down in your heart today that says, I want to hear God's voice? I want him to talk to me personally. That's not egotistical. That just comes out of a soul that says, Oh God, my soul thirsted for God. For the living God, when shall I come and stand in his presence? Oh, my soul yearns for you, God. And while he's going about his business, the Lord sets a bush on fire. The Bible said it was the angel of the Lord in the bush. And that fits with the scripture because the Bible said he makes his angels ministering spirits sent forth to minister to them who are the heirs of salvation. And here's a bush on fire. I think he had seen other bushes on fire. You ever been in the desert? It's not strange for there to be heat lightning come down and light a bush on fire. You ever drove, driven across... Down there, Highway 10 across Arizona, New Mexico. Man, it's nothing but desert from Blythe to El Paso, Texas. Lightning's out there all the time. But the thing that got his attention was this tumbleweed didn't flash up and flash out. This tumbleweed kept right on burning there was no ashes going up there was no foliage falling off it was on fire and it was not being consumed and I want you to follow with me please as he stopped he saw that got his attention and uh, maybe at first he just thought well another I didn't see no lightning didn't hear any thunder but might have missed it but as that thing began to burn something happened down inside of him that says I will now turn aside oh God oh God how many times do we just drive right on by how many times do we just pass up the opportunity when God is trying to call us away when God is trying to speak clear to us when God is trying to draw us over in the corner how many times do we rush to where the crowd is how many times do we want to go and fellowship with somebody else how many times do we go here and go there and get occupied with a lot of things and fail to turn aside when the bush is on fire oh my friend Moses stopped and turned aside and look, look at this it said as soon as God saw that Moses turned aside do you get this friend as soon as God saw 
that Moses turned aside. He called to him out of the bush. God was waiting all those years. God was waiting all that time and say, will he ever, will he ever step out of the ordinary? Will he ever just get out of the routine? Will he ever just uh, quit being contented enough to turn aside so that I can talk to him? Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. You know it's the truth. You know what happened with Gideon. I'm not caught up on a bunch of angel business, uh, but there's something that happened with Gideon when he was over there hiding behind the wine press, uh, threshing out a few sheaves of wheat at nighttime. The Bible said there was an angel there, and the angel watched him. It watched him. What was he watching for? Somebody that would try to do something. <laughs> Hallelujah. And when he, the angel saw him uh, threshing out the wheat, uh, he spoke to him uh, and said, You mighty man of valor. Gideon didn't feel like a mighty man of valor. He was scared witless. Uh, he didn't know what to do. But oh, he turned aside. Oh, don't criticize him for wanting some confirmation. You know, think about this. We criticize Gideon a lot. But you know, God accommodated him. God accommodated him. What do you mean? Well, now, God, if this is you, now, if you ain't heard the voice of God or not, you better ask a few questions. Lord, if this is really you, I mean, uh, Lord, uh, look this fleece of wool. You know, let the ground be wet and the wool be dry, Lord. And the thing that blows my mind, Brother Keys, is God accommodated him. We criticize him, but God accommodated him. And God let the ground be wet and that little sheepskin dry. And what happened next? He said, one more time, God. You know, there's a chance that this could just happen. How about letting the fleece of wool, Lord, let it be, if this is you, God. How about letting the fleece of wool be wet and the ground dry? That's a little harder, God. And God accommodated him. And then he got to worshiping. And God got to using Gideon. And so Moses turns aside to see why uh, that the uh, bush was not on, uh, why it was not burning. And God called to him out of that bush and says, Moses, Moses, and I want you to know for the first time in his life, uh, there was something happened. He heard the voice of God. Not only did he know that he had a purpose in life, uh, but there was something coming back to him. I'm about ready to get some direction. I'm about ready to hear what I'm supposed to be doing. 
and the Lord said Moses Moses and the beauty of it is that Moses wasn't contented anymore the beauty of it was he wasn't interested in sheep anymore the beauty of it was he wasn't interested in uh, just living in Midian and getting along to get along oh no he said here am I Lord here I am talk to me I'm available I want you to know today God is looking for men that are available they will say here I am everything I've got everything I want to have everything I've ever dreamed of Lord everything else is on the back burner it is not important I've just got to know you Lord hallelujah oh God hallelujah hallelujah praise God hallelujah notice what God says to him take off your shoes that always drove me nuts often you know I don't like to go barefooted never did and I've asked uh, why why God did you tell him to take your shoes off I think there's a couple of reasons for it the first one is to give reverence to God the Lord did say he was on holy ground but I think God knew Moses I'm gonna tell you friend God has a hard time sometime of getting our attention and he has a harder time keeping it there's so many things crying out there we are busy Californians are busier than anybody else there's hardly time anymore and so God said take off your shoes you're on holy ground reverence me but take off your shoes you ain't going nowhere in the desert you don't go anywhere without shoes and God wanted him to stay right there till he could tell him everything he needed to know till he could get a clear firm revelation of who he was who his God is and what he's supposed to be doing and how he's supposed to do it and where he's supposed to do it and when he's supposed to do it and who he's supposed to tell what if we're going to get revelation from God we've got to have more than a desire we've got to have more than a Holy Ghost experience that's a good starting place if we're going to have a revelation from God as to what we're supposed to be doing it's going to be where there's more to it than singing and shouting somewhere sometime we're going to have to hear the voice of God and then respond and make ourselves available and then put everything aside and say now God I am not leaving here until I know you and you tell me what to do when to do it how to do it and where to do it 
Hallelujah. Please be seated. There's too many people like the guy, I can't think of his name right now, but during the time when Absalom's rebellion against David and Joab had killed Absalom, there's too many people in Pentecost that are like that one servant that said, I want to run today. I want to run today. I want to run. And oh, Joab said, you ain't running today. There's no tidings in your mouth. You don't have anything to say. You're not going to run today. How much harm has been done to the work of God by somebody that was a wannabe, that wanted to run, that wanted to preach, that wanted to be up front, that were caught up with the, what they thought was the prestige that went with the ministry. I'm telling you, friend, if God don't say, don't go. If God doesn't put something in your mouth, just shut your mouth and worship God the best you can and wait till He talks to you. If you make yourself available, He might. But oh, my friend, don't be like this guy and say, I want to run, I want to run, I want to run. Needs revelation. Men with a revelation. And the rest of that story is Joab picked another guy and he put tidings in his mouth. And the sad thing about it is the guy that didn't have no what to say, just wanted to run. He overrun the other guy. You know what though? You know what though? Some folks run faster and all that business. But when he got to where he wanted to go, wasted. Well, I saw a lot of people running hither and thither. There was a lot of noise and there was a lot of things going on, but I don't know what it meant. Stand aside. You stand over here. Oh, a little bit later come a man that run a little slower, but he was sure and he had tidings. And not only did he have tidings, he had a delicate message to deliver, but he did it with aplomb. He did it with wisdom. Oh, he knew how to say it. And the job got done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now. Moses begins to ask questions. He's told to stand still. He's told to take his shoes off. He takes his shoes off. Uh, and the Lord then starts talking to him and says, Now, behold the cry. God said, I have heard the cry of my people. That struck a chord down in Moses' heart. Because not only had he seen, but he'd heard. But in his flesh, he had tried to do something about it. And and it ended up in failure. He ended up being afraid. He ended up fleeing. He ended up going to the backside of the desert. You can understand why he's a little cautious now. And the Lord said, I've heard. I've looked at them. I've seen it. Their cry has come up in my mouth. Ah, my ear, rather. I want to take them to a place, a good land that flows with milk and honey. I want to take them to the land that I promised to Abraham, to Isaac and Jacob. I want to take them there and I want you to lead them. What happens? Moses says. Now, I know I'm going through this story, but I was worried about this when prayer this morning. And last night, I thought, God, this is elementary. And the Lord said, don't assume anything. So I'm not assuming nothing. 
I'm just going to say what he told me to say. Okay. If that's elementary to you, I'm sorry. Hallelujah. All right. And so, he's, God talks to him. And then Moses, uh, he begins to talk to the Lord. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel. He's done, been there and done that. He assumed that they would recognize, Hey, I'm one of you. And God has strategically placed me. And they didn't recognize him. And he said, Lord, when I get to them and I say to the children of Israel, the God of your fathers hath sent me unto you and they shall say to me, what is his name? What shall I say unto them? Up until this point in time, it's been the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. That's what his heritage had given to him. And the Lord speaks back to him and says, Moses, you tell him that I am, that I am has sent you. Thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me you unto you. And he goes on to say, this is my name forever for a memorial. I want you to know Moses stayed there. And God gave him a message. And God gave him some miracles. And God gave him some confidence. And God gave him a commission. And God sent him. And God told him what to say when he got there. Oh, I know he tried to pass the buck. But I want you to know that God said something that we need to keep in mind. I don't have time to dwell right here. He said the message from Moses from God to Moses to Pharaoh was this tell Pharaoh to let my people go a three days journey into the wilderness that they may serve me I'm going to tell you friends it is not a one day trip a two day trip it is a three day journey into this wilderness hallelujah the life it is repentance what a baptism in Jesus name in filling with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues it has always been a three days journey and it will always stay that way hallelujah hallelujah you please be seated Oh, you know the story. There was offered compromises along the way. And you'll be offered them too. And if you don't have a revelation from God, you'll probably take them up on it. But those that got a revelation said, no, 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 no. We're not leaving this. We're not leaving that. We're not sacrificing that. We're taking everything and everybody we can with us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. I got to curry. A revelation. I am that I am. There comes a time in your life when you must know Him for yourself. I appreciate the heritage. I appreciate my pastor. I appreciate the saints of God. I appreciate the leaders in our district. I appreciate other men of God. I appreciate everything that I've got or heard from any man that walked with God. But friends, let me tell you, that is good and that is wonderful. But there comes a point in your life when you have got to hear it for yourself from the lips of God hallelujah hallelujah praise God in the month of August 1964 on a Saturday uh, my job was to mow the yard every Saturday had a half acre of grass to mow every Saturday hated it still hate it get out of it every time I get But I remember 
I just got the Holy Ghost just shortly before that in July. On, yeah, June. And while I was mowing the yard, two old ladies came up. Now, we lived outside the city limits of Porterville, uh, over across the river. And uh, I was mowing the lawn. There hadn't even been sidewalks out there until the last couple of years. And uh, these two old ladies came. And you know, I've been raised, my mom got the Holy Ghost when I was three years old. I slept on chairs, under chairs, in chairs, around chairs. Uh, I've just been around church all my conscious life. It's amazing how much you get by absorption. That's why I believe in Sunday school. But I'm out in the yard mowing the lawn and these two old ladies come by. And I know who they are. And I'm just brand new with the Holy Ghost. Heritage of this truth. And I said, well, I shut the lawnmower off. And I went over to them. And I was rather cocky about it. Can't hardly imagine that, but it was. And I began to mix it up with these two ladies. Not fist fighting, but with scriptures. It's not a good thing to do that, fight ladies. Anyway, and you know, I did know quite a bit about the Bible at 15 years old. But I found out I didn't know nearly enough. And when those two ladies got through with me, I didn't know up from down, right from left. And I'm telling you, I could hardly wait for them to leave. But let me tell you what I done, did. When they got out of the driveway and got out of sight, There was an overriding drive down in my soul. It was like time stood still. It was like nothing else mattered. And I remember walking down the driveway kind of in a fog. And I remember climbing the steps, going into the kitchen and on back to my bedroom. And I remember kneeling down beside my bed. And I remember picking up my Sunday school Bible that I had won for memorizing the most scriptures and not missing a Sunday. You know. And I'm in a daze. I'm bewildered. I've been taught all my life there's only one God. And that Jesus is God. And I thought I knew it. I thought I had a revelation. But I didn't have no revelation. Now I'm going to tell you. You can only hitchhike on somebody else's revelation just so long. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
there comes a time and that day was my time and I'm telling you with hot tears running down my face with that Sunday school Bible opened up on the side of my bed with an ache in my heart and fear causing me to tremble I begin to utter words like this God I don't know if there's one or two or ten or twenty but I promise you God I will not get up from this place until I know for sure I'm here for the duration. My shoes are off. My heart is open. My ears are listening. And I'm going to tell you, my friends, God never disappointed me. I don't know how long I was down there. But before long, oh, before long, the bush that was on fire, it began to speak to my soul. And before long, the word, the clouds, oh, the, the, uh, the fear, the hesitancy began to vapor and when I got up from that altar of prayer I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt you can't ride on somebody else's revelation you cannot just depend upon your heritage I'm not downplaying heritage I really admire those families that their grandpa and their grandma on both sides of their family was in this thing I tell you I admire that but I'm telling you there's a trap there I read about a guy, I spent a lot of time reading about him. His name's Ahaz. He was a king of Judah. He was a descendant of David. His daddy, his grandpa, Yuza, was the longest reigning king in Israel. His daddy did things for God. His grandpa did. Uzziah. And his daddy did things for God. Jotham. But Ahaz didn't have a revelation of God. And I'm going to tell you what happens to Ahaz. Ahaz began to hobnob with the wrong folks. Ahaz began to hang out with some other guys. See, you can hang out with other guys if you don't have a revelation. But there's just something don't fit when you got it. I'm just unfit. And before long, Ahaz is passing his children through the fire. The Bible says he burned up some of them. And one day he's on a hobnobbing trip up to the city of Damascus. Uh, he went up there to meet old Tiglath Pelazar. I think that's how you say his name. And while he's up there in Damascus, he is walking around the city there and he sees a unique altar. And he got out his pencil and he drew himself a little sketch of it. I'm just paraphrasing right here. And he got a servant and he sent it off uh, express mail back to the priest of God in Jerusalem. With this little note on the bottom of the sketch. Make me one like this. And when he got home to Jerusalem, it was done built. And no, you know what Ahaz did? He didn't have a revelation. 
He hung around with the wrong folks. He didn't take time to talk to God for himself. He just rejoiced that granddad and dad knew God. And I'm king because uh, uh, bless God uh, who my heritage is. Uh, and on and on and on. And he began to hobnob the wrong folks. But as soon as he got back to Jerusalem, the Bible says that he went over to that brazen altar that was in the house of God. And he said, move it out of the way. And they set it over here. And Ahaz put up that Damascus, Damascus altar. And he said, here's where I'm going to get mine from God. Here's where my offerings are going to be made. And here's where my worship is going to be offered. I'm going to tell you, friend, it didn't stop there. He, what happened to him next? The next thing he did. I'm telling you, it doesn't, uh, uh, when folks don't have a revelation, it will not surprise you what they do. I used to go around for about two years, Brother Morton said, my God, how could this happen? Why, 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 why? I wept bitter tears beside on my altar in my office saying, God, how can this happen? How can this happen? How can this happen? I got the answer now. No revelation. And I'm going to tell you something. They said it right out of their mouth. I never did believe this anyway. You know why they never believed it? They never took time to get alone with God and to him and check it out with him and hear from him and get down in this book they just preached it because it's popular i'm going to tell you my friend it doesn't matter if it's popular or not if it's god's word we better have a revelation and have the courage to go with it and say god i'm not leaving till i get it in my heart hallelujah moving on not only did he set aside the brazen altar it wasn't too long till he had the the metal workers come and said i want you to take uh, these uh, 12 oxen that hold up the brazen sea i want you to separate the oxen off of the sea and i'm going to tell what did he do he put the brazen labor that big uh, called the brazen sea that solomon had made he set it aside and he put it down on the pavement he degraded it he lowered it he made it of no consequence it doesn't matter what you believe I'll just fellowship with you anyway he put it down on the ground but that's not all he did it wasn't too long until he shut the doors of the church it wasn't too long until he put the light out in the temple You just can't go one step down that road. You're going to go the whole enchilada. Hallelujah. It won't be too long. When you start hobnobbing with the wrong folks, you're going to be all the way gone. Hallelujah. 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 Something's happened to me lately. This just burns in my soul. I'm not mad at anybody, but there's something burning down in there. There is a need for us to get a revelation. Hallelujah. 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 Shut up the doors of the house. Hallelujah. Now is not a time, friends, to be looking around and seeing what other groups are doing. <laughs> there's a great need, though, to turn aside and get a personal revelation of God. Now... There's a paradox happening. While those without a revelation are looking other places for other things. And while they're saying the things that are precious to me and you are really not that important anymore. And it's all done under the banner of getting bigger and better and more. 
I want to share something with you now. It's not a complete story yet. Don't know how it's going to end. Uh, how can I say that? Some people in my church work with some people. In fact, a neighboring church, there's three of our churches, Jesus' name churches, that have people that work in this place. And these people are not Pentecostals at all. They're religious, but they're not Pentecostals like we are. Good people and really love God. Not going to deny that. You've probably read about it, heard it in newspapers, read it in newspaper, read it, heard it somewhere about this revival meeting going on down in Brownsville, Florida. Okay? And these people, the hierarchy of this place, all go to Brownsville because they're wanting more of God. They don't know where else to go. Some of the leaders in this, it's a business, it's a big business, come away from there with the Holy Ghost. Now you can shake that out any way you want to. The fact of the matter is those Holy Ghost filled people that work there, there's about 10 or 12, Jesus name, one God, apostolics working there. They noticed an immediate change in these people. And so they start bringing in to this place of business speakers that have been down to that place. Fasten your seatbelt. These people, what we would consider cold, formal, denominational people that have looked down on and criticized Holy Ghost separated godly living for years. Where the Holy Ghost was poured out. Last I read it was to lead and guide you into all truth. Last I read. These people came back and they brought some of these speakers to, to preach to them at lunchtime. My daughter came home one day and said, Dad, you'll never believe it. I said, what are you talking about? She said, today we had a speaker that came. And Dad, I don't know what to think about it. I said, what Tell me, tell me, tell me. This speaker today began to preach to us, Dad. And he said that it's time since God is filling us with the Holy Ghost. It is time for us to live different. It is time for us to dress different. 
It is time for us to quit watching so much television. It's time for us to get rid of video out of our homes because it's destroying the sensitivity to God we have. I said we're in a paradox. While there's some with no revelation, they're going after it hook, line, and sinker. There's some other people over here that never had a revelation. All of a sudden, a little glimmer of light is starting to shine in their soul and they're realizing that God is calling them out of that stuff into a sanctified holy walk to lay aside weights and sins that does so easily beset us. I'm telling you, friends, it's exciting times. Our church is praying for this group of people and you pray for me too that God will give me an opportunity to sit down with them and begin to open the good word of God. Please be seated. What time is it? Time to quit. I'm done. Matthew 3, 9 says, Think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. John the Baptist said, God is able of these stones to raise up children to Abraham. I'm telling you, friends, we just can't go around and say, Bless God, we know there's one God. Blah, 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 blah. we got to find us a place and turn aside long enough until the God of glory can shine his light down in our soul and light us a fire and us go out and speak the word everywhere with a boldness and a confidence uh, with the love of God in our heart uh, the anointing of God on our soul God said he has sent us to enter in uh, to other men's labor uh, to harvest that upon which we have bestowed no labor friends doing it like we are we ain't gonna reach them all but if somehow or another we could get a revelation uh, God will let us touch people's lives hallelujah what about Anna? what about Aquila and Priscilla I don't know if they were preachers or not. I think they were probably lay workers. I know for sure they were tent makers with Apostle Paul. But I'm going to tell you what they did one day. They happened to be at the synagogue. What were they there for? They were to look for prospects to win to God. They weren't there to worship. And I'm not recommending you go to the first church or whatever either. Uh, don't take that further that I want you to go with it. But they were there and they heard a man speak who was eloquent and mighty in the scripture. I could see old Aquila and Priscilla sitting on said, Pretty good, pretty good. Hey man, that's good, that's good. But pretty soon he ran out of ammunition. And they said, it's good as far as he went, but he don't know more about it. When he got, when he folded up his scroll or got through with his message, I'm going to tell you there were two saints of God waiting when he walked off the platform. They had a revelation. They knew who they were. They'd heard from God. They knew what God said. They knew what they're supposed to be doing. Go everywhere and preach the gospel to every creature. And here was a man that was sincere. A man that was eloquent and mighty. A man that knew what he knew but didn't know what he thought he did. And when they took, I think they invited him home for Sabbath day dinner, if they did that in them days. And they set over Apollos down and said, son, it's good. I tell you what, you are powerful. And what you know, you really do know. But what you don't know is fixing to hurt you. And we're going to help you out. And the Bible said they explained the way more perfectly to Apollos. How do you don't read in the Bible that Aquila and Priscilla said any more than that. But they explained the way more perfectly to him. But something happened in Apollos. 
Pilate's heart. The Bible said he went away and preached that Jesus is the Christ. I want you to know this revelation is a part of the gospel. This one God Jesus name message. It's not just talking in tongues. It's not just shouting. It's just not separated living. There's a revelation that comes with this thing. Hallelujah. 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 Notice the part in the Bible I'm going to close. Notice the part of Revelation plays in preaching the gospel. Jesus said, first of all, who do men say that I am? And then the next question is, who do you say that I am? And you know the answer to that? Jesus told him, flesh and blood didn't reveal that in you. It didn't come from flesh and blood. And I want you to know something. Peter preached it too. The, before we get, we all jump and juke about Acts 2.38 and I love it. I do it every chance I get. But there's something that was a precursor to Acts 2.38. And that was verse 36. God has made that same Jesus that you crucified both Lord and Christ. And it was that knowledge that Jesus was Lord and Christ that prompted the question, men and brethren, what shall we do? I want you to know something, friend. This revelation, without it, will not be affected. But with it, we can turn the world upside down. People will be converted to Jesus Christ. Not only that, on the road to Damascus, oh, on the road to Damascus in Acts 9, 5, oh, there was a man that had zeal and fire. Oh, he had a lot of things. He's breathing out threatenings. He's persecuting the church because he thinks it's right. He thinks he's doing God a favor. But one day there's a light shines out of heaven and a voice says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, who are you, Lord? And God said, I've been waiting for you to ask that question for a long time. I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Hallelujah. Do you want a revelation? Will you get alone with God? Will you stop a while, take off your shoes, and say, God, I'm not getting up from here till I know. Till I know. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And knowing the time that it is high time to awake out of our sleep for now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed the night is far spent the day is at hand let us who are of the day put off the works of righteousness the works of darkness and put on the armor of light and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof I want to tell you friend the bush is on fire are you going to turn aside are you going to take off your shoes will you wait until he talks to you the decision is yours will you turn aside or will you go on knowing you're supposed to do something but without the wherewithal to get it done let's worship God right now